You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start to live your truthiest life. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life, everybody. It's your host, Lisa Haim, and I'm really excited to bring you this week's episode with Busy Gold. The theme of this week for me has been recognizing that I have the most incredible arsenal of women in my life that you might not see when you listen to me on a podcast or see me on Instagram, but I want you to know that I am me because of the incredible women that I surround myself with and that I've gotten quote unquote lucky to meet. But I'm starting to realize that it's not luck that I keep meeting. I'm putting that in quotes too, because some people I haven't even met, they're online friends that I talk to a lot, that I keep finding these amazing, powerful women in my life. I think when we show up authentically, we create genuine connections with others. And that allows us to vibrate completely differently and create friendships that are not dramatic, that are not competitive, and instead allow us to really cultivate the type of friendships that help us take ourselves to the next level. And Busy, today's guest, is no different from any of the people in my life. I did meet Busy a few years ago, but as soon as I met Busy, my life was changed because she was one of those people that could instantly help me get unstuck out of my own way simply by me witnessing her be a complete disruptor in any space that she decides to enter. She is fearless. She is different. She is okay not being liked by people and does not conform to what she thinks she needs to be to be liked. I think it's the most empowering reminder that I personally need through and through is to know that to be liked by everybody 
is to be vanilla, is to conform, is to lose yourself. But to stay true to yourself is going to mean that not everybody's going to like you, but you're going to make such a bigger impact on this world by being true to yourself. All right, let's jump into this episode with Busy Gold. I promise you will not be disappointed. She's quite literally incredible. Okay, everybody, welcome back to The Truthiest Life. As you know, today's guest is Busy Gold, and I honestly don't know where to begin this episode or where it's going to go, because how on earth do we put you in a 45-minute bubble of an episode? (laughs) I have no idea. I don't even know how to answer questions without giving like a five-part answer most of the time, so it should be interesting to see what happens in 45 minutes. You are a layered person, but you're also a public speaker, so somehow I do trust that you're able to deliver your story in a digestible way for people. But this is probably going to be one of the hardest interviews I've ever had to do because you've lived not one truthiest life moment, not one breaking moment, but it kind of feels like stones are always being thrown at you and you just keep like capturing the stones and like throwing them back. (laughs) I would say that's an accurate assessment. I was just thinking about that last night, how they're just some people that have, maybe it's grace, maybe it's luck, whatever you want to, to define it as. They're just some people that no matter what you throw at them, they have an uncanny ability to take it, not be affected by it and look at it and figure out how to actually turn it into something positive and amplify from there. And I was looking back at some of the moments of my life really over the last few days and thinking that really some of the worst things that have ever happened to me that for somebody else would have been a cancel culture moment. I continue to emerge from not just victorious, but really amplified with new gifts and skills that I guess can only be born from struggle, I suppose. What have you experienced that has felt like a cancel culture moment? Oh, I mean, I've had mobs trying to cancel me for years. I don't know if it's worth going into for fear that then you might get canceled because of my canceling. All right. So let's leave it at you have really strong opinions. You are a disruptor by nature. You think differently. You take in information differently than other people. And what you put out is different. That is what has 100 percent attracted me to you since the beginning. The beginning being I got invited to a workout class in New York City with the founder of a method and you were teaching the class and you in the middle of New York City when everybody's in there, you know, fancy workout gear looking all like tight and put together and concealed, you know, you showed up in I'm exaggerating, but let's call it like a thong or booty shorts. And the method of yoga involved bouncing up and down, jiggling, really owning your body from a tribal way. And I was like, okay, first of all, this feels really good. Like this feels good emotionally. So whoever created this understands emotions and body mechanics very differently than a lot of people. And second of all, who's brave enough to now bring this to the masses and say, hey, this is the thing that you should do. So that's how I met busy. Can you talk a little bit about that method? Yeah. So it's called booty, B-U-T-I, and it means the cure to something hidden within or kept secret. And it was originally used in reference to Ayurvedic herbs, which in that language were considered jati booty. So it was essentially the cure that was hidden beneath the dirt, essentially. So when I first founded booty, I personally had been going through a pretty major life trauma. My daughter, who's actually in the room with me right now over there, had some really significant complications during childbirth. And really up to that point, I had always been 
I think very in tune with my intuition. I made a lot of decisions out of intuition and I had already been following what I would consider kind of a Eastern traditional medicine path. I was in acupuncture school. I was really immersed in natural healing modalities. And when I made the choice to have a home birth with my daughter, I really felt very confident about it. I didn't take the decision lightly. I really went into it with all the research and felt like I had all my ducks in a row. And when it comes to home birth, I do just want to preface this with saying that I'm still very much pro home birth. And I had home births with my last two kids as well. I've got four total. I only had one in the hospital and it was honestly my worst birthing experience. So I'm still very much pro home birth, but I did have my first home birth go sideways in every single way possible. And ultimately it was due to let's say lack of ability to function under pressure on behalf of my midwife, which you know, ultimately when it comes to home births, it's really going to be how comfortable do you feel with your midwife? Like, can they stay strong when faced with a complication that comes out of nowhere? And mine certainly did not. She completely panicked. She missed a bunch of things that any other midwife since then that I've spoken to said, oh, uh, I hope she did this. Or I hope she did that. And every time I'm like, nope, of course you would say that. She's like the only midwife apparently in the world that didn't do these three things. So I ended up having my daughter die for 20 minutes during childbirth. Her dad at the time ended up having to revive her himself because my midwife literally sat there going, fuck, this baby's going to die. Fuck, this baby's going to die. And literally just sat there saying that over and over again, like some (laughs) demonic mantra. I was like, okay, any other maybe possible solutions to maybe fuck this baby's not going to die? Like, is there any other, anything else? Anyone else want to throw out some solutions? (laughs) And she just was like, knocking instruments off of things. And thankfully at the last minute, I had decided to bring one of my best friends, Harmony there. She worked for the other midwife in town and she actually just got really calm and shook me. She's like, busy. This baby is not going to die. And she actually started chanting in Hawaiian. I was in Hawaii at the time to put it into context. She didn't just randomly start chanting in Hawaiian. We were there. And lo and behold, after 20 minutes of Sarai's dad giving her infant CPR, my dog barked and she started breathing again. But the road after that obviously was long and fraught with a month in the NICU diagnoses that I knew in my heart weren't going to be true. But at that point, again, like this big pivotal moment for me was that I felt so good about my decision and then everything went wrong, right? Everything that intuitively I felt so anchored in and so secure about just completely fell apart. And I remember vividly the moment of laying there on the floor with a dead child on my chest, trigger warning for anyone that's ever been through this, just thinking like, wow, I'm going to die. My daughter's dead. I did not see this coming. Honestly, the New York Jew in me was still sitting there in my head being like, wow, I mean, I'm shocked. I did not see it all ending this way because I thought that I was dying too. There was just, it was a mess. So I had always been a very confident person, confident with my decision-making, somebody that always went and took action. And, you know, suffice it to say, after the situation, I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my intuition. I felt like I'd let everybody down. And of course, at that moment, I had this little like spark inside of me that every time a doctor would be like, well, your daughter's not going to X, Y, Z, or she's going to be like ABC. I'd have this little voice. It's like, no, she's not going to be like that. Don't listen to them. And of course, for me, after going through all of this, I kept thinking like, well, I can't listen to myself anymore. Like, look what's happened. I can't trust myself anymore. But 
somehow I found the courage to keep going. Obviously, I was trying to still listen to that little spark, but it was incredibly difficult, especially when you have like whole teams of doctors telling you what your daughter's trajectory of life is going to look like. But thankfully, I found it within myself to try to bolster that little voice a little bit as we were hopefully like nearing toward the exit of being in the NICU. And I started to go back to moving my body again, which was difficult because I don't know if anyone else has ever had this experience, but with my first one, I gained so much weight. It's never happened to me again in three other pregnancies. I felt really disconnected from my body. And at the time I had been teaching more traditional vinyasa, 26 posture hot classes. And when I went back to teaching, I just remember feeling like, what am I doing? This doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it's getting deep enough into the layers where I have stored trauma from what I just went through. So I'd sit there and kind of like robotically go through the queuing in my class, but I just knew that something was, was off and needed to change. And thankfully I was given an opportunity to do a native American medicine ceremony that, you know, for me at that time, it was very out of my comfort zone. And I'm actually you know, gears down the road later, I'm very wary of it actually as a, as a healing modality, but at that time it really served me well in what I was going through. And in that ceremony, I actually was given a vision of how we were moving the body incorrectly and how we needed to essentially bring back this ability to move primally shake, literally bringing vibration back into the body, the fascia and the cells. And when I came out of it, I was like, oh my God, I see how we're supposed to do this differently. And when I went to my class the next morning, I just looked at my class and I was like, everybody, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I had a vision and we're just going to go with it. And I think the class that I did this in was a 26 posture hot class. So kind of more that like very structured Bikram class that you're never supposed to break out of the sequence. So of course, a lot of the people that are drawn to that are very controlled people. And I'll never forget, I had one person in my class named Ken and he was a regular and definitely liked his 26 hot posture. And when I looked at him and I said this, I could see this look on his face where he was like, I want to run. And I was like, don't do it. We kind of locked eyes and he's like, I think this is not for me. It was all internally. And I was like, yeah. don't do it, stay. <laughs> and we get through the whole class. And at the end, and he was like, busy. I don't know what that was, but please don't teach anything else ever again. And I was like, yes, Ken. So that was really the day that Booty was born. And it was born from just not trusting myself and having to kind of rebirth my intuition from the inside out and actually heal all the trauma that was clearly stored deep within my body. Because I think you can attest to this because you've had a baby going through the birth process you have to learn to trust yourself. And it's one of those make or break moments that when you complete your birth, there's some lesson that you're left with. Do you, did you have a lesson that you were left with after your birth? Yeah, no, I mean, I had also, you know, a home birth that kind of went crazy and nobody, no midwife arrived and it was just me and Evan. And I, I felt very connected to my intuition after that. But I was going to say that I'm longing for booty. It's been a while since I've done booty and I was just, perusing Instagram for booty and TikTok. And I like felt an awakening in my soul because even though my birth itself was 
very intuitively strong. And like you, like I, I just envisioned a home birth and from the East Coast Jew where that's not very popular. <laughs> you know, it no, just, it is not the popular choice. Even though I like knew it in that moment and everything went well, separate from, you know, very different than yours. Since yeah. then, six months, five to six months postpartum now, I've really lost touch with parts of myself that, like you said, like I try and do regular yoga ish. Like I have no time confused how you have four kids right now and you're still <laughs> doing things, but I try to move my body. And like you said, like right now I'm like touching my shoulders and I can't, it's not that my shoulders hurt. It's that the emotions are stuck in my shoulders and I need to not just do yoga and not just even focus on fascia, but really activate and bring that vibration in to change it. And I, I, this might sound I'm going on and on a little bit because for our listeners that aren't no, familiar no, with booty, go for it. It's that's, that's all, that's all breastfeeding. I would say when you're holding all that emotion on your shoulders and just, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's always been a point of contention. Cause it's like, I know I'm supposed to, but there's a large part of my body that deeply rejects that process, at least for me, or even if you have a bunch of things to do and it's like, come on, can't you nurse faster? Like, can't you drain a boob faster? There's just tension that like, it builds up there. Oof. I've had some nursing issues. So I've had to surprisingly go to exclusive pumping and pumping every time I strap on the bra to pump for 30 minutes. It's that same thing. Anyway, I don't want to go off topic here, but the point is I was looking at booty and I was watching this woman like move, I'm doing it on the camera here, but like move her hips around and talking about how we, how women, we, we store so much tension in our pelvis. And I was like, light bulb moment, duh, I'm missing booty from my life. I do have so much trauma stuck because I mean, aside from birth, there have been a big life events in my life recently that just I'm stuck and to become unstuck, we need to do things differently. So, you know, like Ken, I could show up every day and do the same thing that's quote unquote good for my health and it checks a box and, you know, I go home and I've done yoga, but you need to disrupt what you're doing sometimes from a really scary way to let the emotion stored in your body out. And I think booty really does that. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. 
For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. It gets into the, I would say, most seemingly inaccessible parts of your body, which is why when people leave a booty class, almost always, there are two things that people say when they leave for the first time. I just accessed muscles I didn't even know I had, right? Or I'm feeling muscles I didn't know that I had. And I would say on the emotional side, that just restored a piece of my puzzle that I didn't know I was missing. And I would say like across every country I've ever traveled to, to teach booty, every state, that is like the consistent two takeaways. And ultimately those two things are very intertwined. We don't store our emotions like in the top part of our superficial deltoid, you know, like it's everything is much deeper and it's usually in the places that we tend to lock up or hide or guard. And then it just kind of continues to push it deeper. And then when we have muscle contracture there, it just really gets stuck. So booty is disruptive, even in the sense of not just like a disruptive trend, but it's pattern disruptive. So a lot of the movements that you would do in yoga are very linear. And a lot of the movements that you would do in booty disrupt that kind of linear sequence and get you into more of the diagonals and the compressed diagonals that actually are where all of your stored emotions are. So it is in typically in, in yoga practice, it's when people are able to really access some of the deeper binds that you're able to get in there, even in a more structured squared off yoga class. But in booty, it's like, it doesn't matter what your skill level is. The very first class, there's usually a massive emotional release. And you, you do feel restored because it's it somehow connects all these different parts of yourself that you tend to compartmentalize or only show certain parts of yourself to people. Booty just kind of helps unite all of those things so that you actually feel like a whole person, which I think is actually what people are trying to describe with the puzzle piece comment, where you just, all of a sudden you just, you are. It's not like I am this and I am that and they're separated. You just, you feel like you can be your whole self, even if that's only until you suit back up and leave to go out into the real world, which I would say that my biggest focus in the practice of booty is helping people lead the same lives on and off the mat. Cause I think that's one of the things that bothers me the most about the yoga community is just the level of hypocrisy where it's like, when you're in the yoga classroom, this is how you're supposed to behave. And this is how you're supposed to talk. And this is what we do. And then you leave. And a lot of these same people are not leading a life that's congruent with what they're doing when they check into yoga class, Mm. even something as simple as you know, being competitive or snobby with where someone's allowed to put their mat, like, oh, that's where I put my mat or like, oh, you're new. You should go over here. And I think you've seen it. There's the, this is how we do it wall. When you first walk in that just immediately helps students understand how we disrupt even the rules of what it's like to be in a, a fitness or dance or yoga studio. Cause sometimes that environment alone can be really intimidating for people. You do a lot of things. Do you still do booty? And for those people who are like, okay, I want to give this a try. Where can they tap in? So I would say the best place to tap in is to activate a free trial on booty.tv. So it's buti.tv. That's our online subscription. There is a beginner series in there, but my recommendation would be get out of that beginner mindset and don't start with the beginner series. I honestly would suggest starting with one of the live classes because booty is experiential. So even if you can only do 30% of what I'm doing while I'm teaching, it's about the experience and, and almost like 
catching the energy transfer that's happening between everyone in the class. Cause that's where a lot of the healing is coming from too. It's not even just singularly you on your mat. Do you still teach booty yoga? So yes, booty is honestly the only thing that I can do. And it's not coming from a place of ego. It just, I've tried to do other things and it's not that I don't like what other people are bringing into the world, but physically my body just cannot, like, if it's not booty, I don't want to move my body. So it's the only thing that I practice. It's the only thing I have practiced for 11 years, literally not exaggerating. I don't lift weights. I don't run on a treadmill. I hate treadmills. People listening, they might think you own one studio and you're, you know, creating this out of wherever town you're currently living in. I know you just moved from there. <laughs> you're all over the map, but where, where is booty now? So booty, I sold my majority interest in booty in 2019. And I think it is the largest fitness format in the world outside of possibly Zumba. So a lot of people might not know about it, but I think a lot of people at this point have at least heard about booty, even if they don't know how to spell it or they don't know what it is. So we have one of the largest yoga teacher training programs in the country. I think there's probably about 7,000 certified instructors and it's taught in over 80 countries. So I founded it in 2010. So it's been, it's been a while. It's been quite the journey, but I would say really from 20, like 14 on is when it's really grown globally. So it's a big thing. And I just personally, it's just the way my body moves. If I, when I'm teaching, all I do is create my playlist and then it just flows through me. So there's just nothing else that I can enjoy like that, that feels like it has that almost like prophetic impermanence where it's just like, it's coming through you. And at the end you're like, I blacked out, but I feel great. Does everyone else feel great? And you have no idea what happened. That is what I want my movement practice to look like and feel like. And if I try to go force myself to work out, I just, I can't. One of our conversations that we had after we met, you know, I was obviously very attracted to your brain and the way you live your life. And one of the conversations we had was about another thing that you created called the break method. So, you know, booty alone would have been enough for a lifelong long career to continue with. And at the same time, I think you still were the primary owner of booty. You were coming up with this thing called break method and you shared what break was with me. And I was like, I want to hear about it in one second. But what I really want to harp on is I remember distinctly, I think you were came to my office in New York city. I don't know. That's where my memory is. And I was like, how did you come up with this? Because the format, the delivery, the branding, everything was like electric and like it should be, if that makes any sense. And you were like, I believe what you said was, it just came to me in a, in a vision, in a something, and you wrote it all out. And that was break method. I think I've totally botched up your words here, but what is break method and how did it come to you? So when I sold booty, I also sold my supplement line and our yoga apparel line. And I would say those things and break they the thing that they all have that is exactly the same is that I have never in my whole life tried to create a business. I've never actually even tried to create something, which I'm sure for some people is like, what, what does that even mean? The only way I can explain it is I actually get taken to the future position where it exists and I get to see it and experience it three-dimensionally. Like, what is it? What does it sound like? What are the key terms? What are the colors? And I actually see it completed. And then I have the daunting task of being at square one with that seeming so far away and being like, okay, well, how do I reverse engineer that and build it? So that's how every single business that I've ever created has happened. 
it's not like I just get part of the idea. I see the final vision, which can be really frustrating because sometimes to see how big something gets and then in perspective to see how far away you are from that and be like, well, how many years is that going to take? Like, God, do you even know who I am? Like, I'm not a very patient person, which is odd considering I now have four children, but I think everybody listening, you're going to get the people listening that are like, yes, that's exactly how I do life. And then the other people that are like, I don't even understand what that means. So when you say you get the big vision of what things look like, whether it's booty, whether it's break method, is it in a dream? Is it in meditation? Is it while you're walking? Is it in conversation? All of the above. So, and it's taken me many years of my life in retrospect to to almost study how these things have come to me to learn from how it's happened to me. Because right when something first starts happening to you, typically our very human response is that's weird. Or, you know, let's file that under like, I hope to God I'm not crazy. And we'll double back and hope that that doesn't ever happen again. So I would say those moments started happening to me when I was about 22, 23, where I was like, Ooh, I hope I'm not like almost at the psych ward level where I'd like catalog things down. And I'm like, but that's, it's weird that this is happening. I realize now that this is actually something that I've had since I was a little kid. And I've had a chance to talk to my parents about it in my later years where they're like, we thought it was so weird too, where I can just be talking to somebody and I'll actually as they're speaking, the only way I can describe it, because it's not purely visual. So imagine that as I'm talking to you, there's like a screen laid over my eyes. That's not necessarily in this dimension. So it's like, I can see it, but it's not like I can see my coffee cup. I can look at my coffee cup. And if I close my eyes, I can still kind of see the coffee cup, like a tangible like almost a tracer of the coffee cup. It doesn't have that sort of thing where it's clearly not imprinting on my actual eye. It's somehow I'm seeing it and my brain is telling me what I'm seeing, although I'm not actually seeing it with my physical eyes. So I'm sure a lot of people would describe this as like seeing things with your third eye, you know? But I can be talking to somebody and I'll start to, sometimes I'll start to see whatever they're seeing. So let's say that you're telling a story. If somebody's really visual, I'll actually pick up on the visual that they're seeing while they're telling the story, in which case I can typically see where they're going to go with the story. So I'll say something and they're like, how'd you know that? And I'm like, I'm actually seeing the next scene of your story in your head. So sometimes it's like that. Sometimes the answers, I I couldn't even stop it if I tried. If somebody is struggling with something and they want to know the answer to something, sometimes it literally will just come out of my mouth and they'll say, I don't understand how you could have known that. And it's not, I'm not trying to answer the question. It just comes out of my mouth. So sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it happens in meditation. So I teach a very specific type of meditation that I call directed meditation and break method which is essentially directing what answers you are seeking or what you are trying to meditate on rather than simply allowing a space for quiet or to meditate on essentially nothing. I actually find personally from having dealt with clients that have a lot of trauma that that can be a place where a lot of negative things can come up. Like if you have a lot of internal negative self-talk, trying to create a space of nothing in your head can often make some of those internal negative self-talk messages louder. So originally this came from just trying to direct that. And then I realized that this was just another way that I could create that access point where now I could actually request information. So for example, if I'm having a problem 
in the business with break, instead of, you know, sitting there and being like, I'm going to go download a course on how to fix this problem. Right. Which is what any human being would probably do at this stage. Right. We've got so much access to information that you'd be like, Hey, I'm going to go research how to fix this problem. I've seen in my life, if I try to do it that way, the problem never gets fixed. It usually gets worse. And if I do it the way that I've been shown to do it, I usually can get the answer to solve it in about 15, 20 minutes. So if I actually go into directed meditation and I ask for the answer, like ask to be shown where a problem exists in my business or like, where's the kink in the chain? I'm immediately shown where that is and how to fix it. So sometimes it's that way. Sometimes it is in dreams. So for example, I teach a live event. Um, it used to do it twice a year since all the COVID stuff. We've been doing it once a year just because travel is obviously not as accessible as it once was. But in those events, I teach lectures for typically six hours a day minimum. Sometimes it's longer and people travel from all over. And here's the crazy part. I don't ever know what I'm going to be teaching sometimes <laughs> until right before. Okay. And you, I think you remember this in DC where I was like, I still have not received what I'm supposed to teach tomorrow. So this is how it works with me is that, and this is a huge testament to faith and trust because to be booked for an event where you've got hundreds of people flying in and you're like, well, I mean, anytime now this vision can come to me, like, I'm sure it's going to be fine. So every legit, I'm not lying. Every event I've ever done, it usually comes like the night before where I'm up until the wee hours of the morning, not cramming because it's like, that's what I like to do. But here's what happens. I don't get what the teaching is until every single person is decided on whether or not they're going to be there. So if there's any person that's like, should I go? Shouldn't I go? Or maybe they're having some struggles at home or their husband's like, are you really going to leave me with the kids this weekend? Until that group is set, I don't get the vision. And the way that it happens typically for break live is I go to sleep and in my sleep, I actually am sitting in the audience at break live and I watch myself give the lecture. And I think, you know, this, I'm also a very visual person. So my lecture content has like crazy visuals. They're all like extensive presentations. So I watch myself give them. So in the night, I'll watch myself give these sequential presentations. And then I'm shown what the theme is and what to call it. And I get up in the middle of the night and I write everything furiously in my notes. And then I try to sleep for a couple more hours. And then I usually spend three hours just bringing these presentations to life, but never once have I researched. I only see it completed. And what a way to live busy. It's, I mean, it's, it's wild when you were living in DC and we got to have that. Did we go to foe? I don't know. I feel like it was Vietnamese. So when we went to that one, I was set to give a speech in a very big venue with a very large crowd the next morning at like nine o'clock. And by the time you and I were like casually having dinner, I had nothing. Literally my presentation was blank. And when I got back to the hotel, still blank. And all the people that traveled with me, they're like, so when's this going to come? And I was like, shoot, I, I don't know. I hope it comes soon. Two o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden I started getting the download and I actually didn't sleep that night. And I went to this thing with like slightly wet hair and no makeup and was like, <laughs> hopefully this is good. How'd it go? But, it went great. It okay. went really great. So let's back up for a second. What is break method? Break method is a very specific sequence and toolkit that helps you identify what specific moments in your childhood brain patterning 
are affecting you today and making you react and assume a very specific patterned way in your everyday life that you can't see and you can't acknowledge because it is you. So it's a toolkit that allows you to very intentionally dissociate that which is not you, but is a very patterned portion of how you experience and perceive your life versus that who you think you are, right? So kind of more our personality and how we express ourselves and who we think we are and who we think we've become because of our parenting, et cetera. Even like our culture, things like, oh, well, I'm just a Jew. This is how we do things in New York, right? Some of those things are true, but some of those things are actually generational emotional wounds that and adaptations that get patterned to you and then you carry them forward because they seem normal. So going through this process of intentional dissociation for some people can be hard because we don't like that experience of having to observe ourselves. Most of the time, right? We're just, we're doing, we're talking, we're reacting, we're responding, we're, we think we're in the moment, but usually we can all acknowledge in our heads, we're thinking of the past and then stressing out about the future, but we're not really observing ourselves speak or think. And this moment of intentional dissociation gives you that pause and skill set to actually watch yourself live your life, which is really uncomfortable because if you do it correctly, not that you're coming from a place of judgment, but you'll start to see and experience things about yourself that, that aren't good. You're not enjoying the experience. In fact, it's so uncomfortable. I refer to it as reality vertigo, where you're all of a sudden faced with deeper motivations and behavioral patterns that you're now seeing and experiencing and observing rather than just doing and then experiencing the fallout from somebody yelling at you or snapping or things falling apart. And you're actually like watching this slow moving train wreck. And at that point, when you feel that discomfort is when the next part of the toolkit comes in and teaches you how to rewire it so that you actually have the ability to stop watching the train wreck and instead actually like pull the brake on the train and not do it anymore. It kind of feels like booties for the body and then break is it's for like the booty brain. For brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, people have said that. Everything that I've been given all functions together. There's there's no business that I've created that doesn't all fit into one ecosystem. It's a very holistic ecosystem. And break is it's broken into tool sets that I would say are really digestible no matter what your academic level is. So I know that sometimes explaining it can be heady, but as you know, I've even taught this in the prison. So in the prison system, I legitimately had half of the group unable to spell four letter words correctly on the whiteboard and they got it. And I had to give them a two day condensed seminar version and it completely changed the trajectory of the women that were in that prison. I, my goal when I went there was to curb recidivism by 40%. We curbed recidivism by, I believe, 60% of that group. This is the other thing, like me as the human trying to describe it is different than how it was taught to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm always simultaneously a student of my own work, which I think is, it's the same for anything I've created. And it doesn't matter what your academic level is. These skill sets are completely broken down in a way that just, it makes sense. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. So you've done huge things. You speak at conferences worldwide, whether you, you know, you had a lot of people listening when it came to booty, even though you weren't this, you know, guru that yoga needs to look like. And then you're also not a psychologist. And, you know, everyone listening knows I'm a huge fan of traditional therapy of all types. Mm -hmm. I would think that you'd get a lot of backlash because you're helping people sift through such huge trauma. And to my knowledge, you're not a trained, licensed mental health professional. Is that true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And what are, where I get it the most are from, I would say, traditional psychologists or psychiatrists that are triggered by our Facebook ads. Mm. That's the only place I've ever gotten backlash. Interesting. But the irony is that, so my program runs four times a year. It's run like a college semester. There's over 200 hours of lecture content. So the process that I just described to you, imagine 200 hours of like, oh, now I need to go create that lecture. <laughs> What I will say is that in every cohort, which typically has anywhere from 150 to 250 students every semester, at least a quarter are psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, forensic nurses we've had, we've had social workers, foster care admins, like you name it. I would say there's, I agree, there's absolutely time and a place for traditional psychotherapy. Absolutely. I would say some of it is the ethical guidelines of which I think a lot of therapists, I will say, are, are trying to dissolve some of those where the line that you're not supposed to ever cross as a therapist of never disclosing or allowing yourself to be vulnerable in that process of therapy. I think that is starting to shift. I work with a lot of therapists that are trying to kind of move that needle forward because I don't think that model actually makes sense for where we're going as a collective. So I do think that there's some progress being made there, but as a whole, whole, there are still many swaths of psychotherapy and psychiatry that are still trying to do things in a way that does not work for everybody. So to the people that have not had success in those sort of kind of environments where they're required to self-disclose accurately, other people might need a different methodology where they're able to bypass any of your inability to be honest. Cause sometimes people are not honest with their therapist break helps get into the pieces of yourself that you're even unaware of. 
So how can you answer a question and, and speak to that, which you're currently unaware of? So that's where I think break comes in as a modality that really is very industry disruptive. And we've had so many people from these more traditional roles come and take the course and say like, okay, when are we going to change the whole world? Like, how can I, what do I have to do? So every, every semester, what they've been doing is they just keep referring, referring, referring. So we have just so many different people. And I just got an email from the Princeton psychology department asking if we can go do a seminar. You know, I've been able to teach this in the prison. We've been able to do this for foster care families for whatever reason. I think it's because what I, what I teach and what has come through me, it is the truth. It doesn't matter where it came from or what credentials I do or don't have. If it's the truth, even a hard line, like this is the only way to do psychotherapy. Once they see it and experience it, they can't deny that it in many ways is the future of mental health. Yeah. So that's the experience that I've had. And I will share one more experience because this is actually hilarious. I was teaching a break workshop in Providence, Rhode Island. It was when I used to do a lot of in-person workshops. And I had this woman that was definitely more like pearls, buttoned up cashmere sweater, you know, (laughs) looked like she belonged in the Hamptons. And she was more quiet the whole weekend than any of the others. And then I got to hear a little bit about her background and she was a professor at MIT. And she kind of came up to me at the end and she was kind of doing this, like she was dying to ask me the question, but also didn't know how to ask it within her construct of what's real and not real. And she was like, almost in a whisper was like, where did all this come from? And I was like, where do you think it came from? And she was like, I don't know. But she was like, I think it just came through you because it's truth, but it's not any way that it would have ever been taught. It doesn't exist anywhere. So how did you know it? And I was like, it just came through. And she's like, but I don't believe in that. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, but I guess I kind of do now. And I'm like, okay. And then she gave me a hug and she just kind of looked like she had taken some sort of hallucinogen and was like, I don't know how I'm going to reconcile the rest of my life. <laughs> because it was such a powerful experience for her that for somebody to be in that sort of academia where it's like XYZ is not possible. And then to have that profound life-changing experience and to be like, well, it's not possible and yet it's possible. Therefore it's possible. Mm -hmm. Right. So she kind of left with this, like, holy, what am I going to do with the rest of my life now? I think that is the greatest problem with academia and research. And as great as it is, you know, fields like medicine and therapy, I find, or also being a registered dietitian, let me throw myself in here. We learn in such a black and white, right and wrong way, evidence. What does it show? What does it not show? What are the ways to do it? What does the research say that we miss out on trusting ourselves, on really trying different things and a general sense of curiosity and willingness that I think is necessary to heal collectively, like you said. And I don't say that without recognizing the dangers of working with trauma or, you know, doing something for your health that could be, obviously there's always, you know, things should be within a container and limits. Uh, that being said, I think there's nothing more beautiful than 
willingness from people that are trained from these high academic places to say, okay, well, this isn't a perfect system. What else is out there? Who is disrupting the space? Let me go hear what they have to say. Maybe I'll use it in my practice. Maybe I won't. But let me find out what the heck Busy Gold is up to with this break method so that I could actually not fire back at these Instagram ads that are getting under my skin. Let me see what's actually going on there so that there's at least legitimacy to what I'm firing back at. And by the way, that's usually my solution with those people is I've direct messaged them and I'm like, Hey, how about I give you access to a couple lectures and then let's chat. I love that. I'm perfectly comfortable and confident that if any of those people were to actually watch anything that I teach, they would leave with a a different perspective and hopefully a little bit more openness to at least engage in a conversation. And I wanted to touch on one thing because I think you really hit it on the head with the curiosity piece. I think one of the reasons that certain industries need to be disrupted for us to take a giant leap forward is that often, and I've, I've been in this situation with other forms of academia outside of this particular area, often academia primes you, whether you acknowledge it or not, to stop looking or seeing things that if you weren't primed for that, you would be open to different experiences or how to put things together. If you weren't taught over and over again, you put it together this way. This is always how it is. So I don't think that it's, it's a intentional problem with academia. It's just how the brain works. If you're primed to something, you often have blinders on and you're not experiencing the totality of what's right in front of you because you've been trained two plus two equals four and four plus two equals six. So then you're never looking for any other potential out there. And often that like that potential aha moment is what usually leads you to create something brand new that hasn't existed before. You hit the nail on the head. And obviously, you know, Evan, my husband, and he is a doctor and a lot of people expect him to be saying or thinking in the same way that every other doctor does. And he does his research through and through before he uses his voice. But, you know, the three of us have a nice relationship because I connect with you on the emotional side. And I think he connects with you on the intellectual isn't the right. Well, of course, you're an intellectual and so is he. But Mm -hmm. the idea that you guys are willing to see outside of the black and white, I think that's where like uh, the three of us kind of form a, a triangle of a friendship, you know. But I think that that is what's missing. And people that go into medicine, dietetics, becoming therapists, you know, our brains are largely looking for that similar to booty yoga or before booty yoga, we're looking for structure. We're looking for what Bikram provided, but Mm -hmm. are we willing to stay within, you know, that confines that those things provide us through, or are we willing to experience the other dimensions and break through for lack of, you know, a better word? I hope that this, this conversation is very abstract, I think, but it's also very real. And all of our listeners, I hope you're willing to bring that curiosity instead of what I'm sure is a lot of judgment maybe to this episode or it's bringing stuff up for you, uh, as I could imagine that that it would. Busy, you tend to to piss people off. But underneath that is, I think, I mean, I would curiosity. say it's, it's the, in general, it's a 70-30 shot. 70% of you will probably love me. 30% of you, I'm probably not for you. And that's okay. So let's just pause right there for a second and just pick up with 
you're comfortable not being liked. I think I struggle with that. A lot of people struggle with that. How do you continue to disrupt knowing that 30% of people in a room of 100 people, that's 30 people, it's a pretty large number, you know, aren't going to like you. Yeah. And not just not like me, but like vehemently not like me, which I'm okay with. So this is something that has come through a lot of my teaching. And it's something that, again, as I'm teaching it, I'm also simultaneously a student of that. I don't believe that somebody can have a deep, passionate resonance with something that you are doing or saying or who you are without that really upsetting all the people that are not for you. And I think that as a society, we have essentially learn to soften our edges and or compartmentalize or put up facades to try to get as many people to like us in our vanilla state as possible. And I don't actually think that that is what creates deep, meaningful friendships. I don't think that's what creates true self-awareness. I don't think that that's what creates a happy, content life. I think that's actually one of the problems that a lot of people are facing is that they're so set on needing everyone to like them or get validation that they're consistently altering who they innately are. And then they're wondering why they feel empty. It's pretty hard to feel really good about who you are if subconsciously you know that you're not actually being yourself. So one of the tattoos that I have literally says right here, I remember who I am because I remember the moment of getting through one of my first experiences with that backlash and hate where I had to really sit with it and say, am I okay with helping 70% of people in a really meaningful way? If that means that I am going to get like the most seething hatred from this 30%. And the answer was yes. Like that is, that's me being exactly who I am, knowing who I am and being comfortable with that and knowing that I would rather leave this life knowing that I made a really, really profound impact on that 70% if that meant that I had to deal with 30% of people really not understanding me, not liking me, attacking me. To me, that's a that's an easy one because I would rather live my life exactly who I am and in my purpose than to try to soften up my edges and not maybe only reach 40% of the people that I know I came here to reach. So to me, it's, it's a path that I'm choosing intentionally that I know a lot of people think about and want to do. And I actually work with a lot of those people in business consulting where it's like, I want to be this person publicly, but because of the climate, I don't know how to navigate how to actually be myself and have this business succeed. So that's a lot of what I do on my just regular business consulting. And it's not for everybody. You have to have done a certain amount of internal emotional work to be able to handle that. And ultimately it's, it's not going to be for everyone. Even if you have done all that emotional work, some people just don't have the desire to want to deal with other people's drama flying at them or to even engage in any sort of arguments. I mean, I think you remember from us all having dinner. I love critical discourse. I love debate. Debate is what lights me up. I'm 0% afraid of somebody that has a differing view from me that is willing to actually debate it intellectually. That is what makes me learn and grow. It is what helps me anchor in what I I once thought to be true and now know to be true even more. So I love to be, I love, I love that sort of engagement. So if you don't have that sort of thicker skin, taking this walk can be a little bit harder, but I, I will encourage people to say that 
if you are willing to take five steps out and kind of let yourself be bare and really expose yourself in my kind of groups of students, we jokingly refer to it as full bento, which to me, if anyone can kind of come up with the view of a bento box, like a Japanese bento box, we've got all these, you know, different size little portions that have different types of food, which maybe you wouldn't even when you look at them, you don't think that they all go together. That was the visual that I was given for who we actually are. And so often we're going out in the world and we're like, oh, I don't want you to see my marshmallows. You can only see my salad. And then somebody else, it's like, okay, well, you, you only get down with my marshmallows. I can't show you that I only like organic fruits and veggies, right? So we're just constantly deciding what portions of our bento box we can display to that person. And that's going to create inner turmoil with ourselves, right? That's us not actually being who we are, which is really going to always decrease our ability to feel fulfilled and happy. So I really try to always strive to live my life in the fullest bento way possible, where there are a bunch of things about me that don't make sense that to some people would be like, well, you see visions. That's so weird. Or, you know, that mixed with the fact that I can have a really intellectual political conversation, you know, how can you be, how can you seem one part woo and then the other part have a in-depth political conversation. I don't even think we have time to get to it today, but you've also mentioned that you're, you know, a Jew from New York multiple times throughout this episode. I know you sent your two younger kids, by the way, I didn't even get to cover this, but busy has four kids too within the last Yeah. So my kids are 11 months apart. So ironically, if Harley was born 20 minutes later, they would have been born both in 2021 or 2022. I can't even like to do the math on that for me right now is just like hurting my private parts due to, you know, basically I had a baby. And then the first time I ever was able to have sex and I got pregnant is basically how that happened. Yeah. You're both a legend and a monster because you're giving us (laughs) women a bad name everywhere who are are out for the count for a lot longer. (laughs) Anyway, you're, you're a Jew from New York. You sent your two youngest kids to Chabad. Recently, you put out a podcast that I had to listen to because you, your religion is going in a completely different brave direction. And I'm going to leave our audience to go listen to that episode because we could try and get into this conversation and people need to hear from you what is going on, what led you towards this path and how, like you said, you're a bento box. You're not fully one thing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a steak dinner. There's so many different things happening at the same time. And I really like to encourage people to really understand all the different facets of themselves instead of try to only show one part. When you go and listen to the episode, uh, the only thing that I will will kind of tease, it's called the scariest episode I've ever done, which I talk about a lot of controversial stuff. And that by far was the most fear I've ever had doing an episode for sure. But this experience that actually changed this all for me happened when I was 19. So it's not really that it's a change. It's that I'm now being asked to be more front-facing public about it. I think I'll always identify as a Jew. It just was such a large part of my my life and my childhood and my upbringing. And it's still something that I, I very deeply identify with. And I think you'll hear in the episode why I think I can hold both titles at the same time. I love that. That's That's what really attracted me to it because... There's, there's so much to having thoughts that are not the ones that you were taught and how many of us are willing to explore other, I'm saying religious beliefs, not religions, uh, to find what fits for us. Normally we're given that religion. This is what you are, but 
what if there's something to learn or feels right from different parts of another religion. So I'll leave it at that. I'll link that episode below, but really proud of you for that episode and really proud of you for continuing to put things out there that disrupt, that piss off surprisingly just 30% of people. But that's good to know because- But that 30% can be real loud. And I think that's actually, yeah, good. See, we're in sync. Because some people convince themselves that it's more than that, but it's just a really loud minority. That's all. I mean, I know when I get one mean DM, my brain goes nuts with everybody hates me. And it doesn't matter how many nice messages are there standing right next to it. That one person can feel like 500 people. And I think that's, that's how, whether you're an influencer or you're in real life, you know, if one friend is all of a sudden doesn't want to be friends with you, you might feel like nobody wants to be friends with you. So it's, I think important Mm -hmm. to put that into perspective. Okay. I've taken a lot of your time. You've got four kids to get back to one of which is I think a month old. I have a full work day today, so I won't be getting back to that until a few hours from now. (laughs) The one thing that I I definitely will say is that on for those I know that you have a really kind of broad audience. I work with so many people that are influencers or have businesses or e-commerce brands that really they they feel stuck in whatever climate that we're in right now and they don't know what their next step is they don't know how much of themselves to personally disclose in their business or what's going to potentially put them on the chopping block or have the mobs come after them so i one of the things that and it's what my full day is after this i do basically what i call prophetic business counsel so Anytime somebody has any issue with their business or they don't know what the next step is, or they know that there's something that they're supposed to birth and bring out, but they don't know what it is. Typically on those sessions, I actually can see exactly what it is. I get like what the names are, how many modules, how much to charge for it and what portions of yourself you should be disclosing or not. So that's kind of the main thing that I'm doing right now, because it just, it brings me the most joy. And I love helping other entrepreneurs navigate this very odd time in the world. Cause I think that just the kind of like all bets are off. The rules are so different right now. And kind of a traditional business approach to certain things is just not, I think what's being asked of us. So that's one of the main things I'm doing right now. So we'll put all that contact information below. Um, Instagram, is that a place you want people following you? I know you're kind of touch and go with Insta. I'm back on it now. I was asked to get back on. I took a year break. It was a great year break, but I'm back. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, Busy. And thanks for for being busy. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. 
To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now.